0: welcome to this podcast by global church we are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere one to everyone if you want to find out more information check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk good morning everybody good morning. we've just been to a great conference this uh, this weekend My kind of conference where you had like 45 minutes in between each talk and coffee's all over the show and it's fantastic. Um, But it's good to be here this morning. I want to speak into who's ever felt the financial squeeze on them? Who's ever wished they had just a little bit more money? And I know it looks bad on me with a blue coat on, like I've just come from Pontins and Butlins, and, and light shining on me. And I, all I could do is a bit more bling and it'd be like an American evangelist. And, uh, but, but really and truly, I hear people say in, in this church and um, outside, I don't care about money. Saying I don't, money means nothing to me. And we have to be careful with that because I know what you're saying. You're saying it's not a driver for you and that's good. Um, but it's money is really important you know Jesus spoke in 500 verses about prayer and he spoke in about 500 uh, uh, verses uh, about uh, faith but he spoke in 2000 verses about finances because he understood that money makes the world go round. did you know that I bet you're all thinking, I can't believe he's saying that because it's Jesus. No, it's Jesus that's makes the world go round. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! <laughs> well, that's, that's the simple way of looking at it. And I would say Jesus undergirds everything. Without him, we are nothing. We couldn't even breathe the oxygen that we're breathing, that he creates. And we take for granted every day. I get that. But even Jesus understood and spoke into the pressure that money uh, causes us. Every single day of the week. Just put your hand up. Just out of interest. Has anybody talked about money in the last 24 hours? Now think about it. Because some of you have got your hands down. But think about it. Because you you, you may be having. I'm not saying you're lying or anything like that. Even though. No. You might not have talked directly about money. But maybe you've talked about a job or or retirement. Or what retirement has done for you and to your finances. Or whatever. Or... What happens, you know, if we have a, another child? And usually it's finances. We go straight to finances. Can we afford another child? <laughs> you try telling your, 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 um, yourself your emotions and your desires that you can't afford a baby on a Saturday night about 11 o'clock after fish and chips. <laughs> oh, I'm romantic. I haven't lost it. I haven't lost it. Still got it. so you know something people often say oh the church that's all they're interested in is money that's all they're interested in is money and they've said that after like a three minute talk on finances you know at the end of each service somebody will get up and say something about finances to encourage us to give and then we give yeah? yeah and uh I, I get carried away sometimes because I've been to churches where they have music playing in the background. <laughs> and then they tell you the stories of how they've given and how God has like blessed them with like all sorts and maybe tonight God's speaking to you and drums. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> and then you and then you give and then you come out, you sat in the car park afterwards thinking, They got me. <laughs> I gave I gave a lot more than what I wanted to give. They got me. And uh I'm just joking. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I'll tell you that for free. But the rest of it's going to cost you. But all the church is interested in is your finances. That's what you hear. When was the last time you went into the pub and said, they're only after your money? Or McDonald's, they're only after your money. Or for you people that are more middle class, you went for dinner. <laughs> I've never been for dinner. <laughs> Dinner and tea and dinner and lunch. I get it all mixed up. I was once at Bible College and and I was down, you know, for for doing uh, washing up afterwards, dinner. So I were in there at lunch. And then they came to me after dinner and then, Dave, I think you're on washing up. I said, no, I did it at at, at dinner time. And they were both looked at each other "Eh." and said, are you from Lancashire? (laughs) Anyway, he got knocked out. so anyway back back to this always after your money they're always after your money and uh, no the church isn't after your money the church isn't just interested in your money it's interested in the whole of you see when was the last time you went for a beer and the the guy behind the bar said um so how how's your health how are you i mean should you be drinking this would you like an orange juice how's your blood pressure how's your kids how's your wife how's your husband?" How are your relationships coming on? Is there anybody in your life you haven't forgiven yet? They never say anything like that. Really? Well, I mean, you know, not all pubs are full of like, morons, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I live in them long enough to know that. <laughs> you know, and, some, and people are interested in you in know, a pub. It's like a fellowship. It's like church, really. Often, when you go to a pub that's, that's, that's you know, community-based and everything, it's great. But so often... What we accuse the church of is just a lie. It's just not true. And uh, we've got to change our thinking. We've got to grab all the things. Before we go and trip things off our tongues, we've got to ask ourselves, is that the truth? And especially with finances. And in these next four weeks, we're going to look at finances. We do this every year. Because I want you, I want money to serve you rather than you serving money. And money makes a great servant but a bad master. Yeah. And I have been desperate in my life for money. And it's a, an awful place to be. Yeah. I've been on holidays where I'm saving for that first week. We've got two weeks' holidays. We booked a room, one room, me and Shelly, three kids. That's why we didn't have number four. <laughs> I just couldn't perform with all that going on. I couldn't. <laughs> so Dad, can we bounce again? He said, chance will be a fine thing. He <laughs> <get> asleep. <to> <laughs> so, <laughs> I forget I'm in church sometimes. I think I'm back in the pub. <laughs> and I've worked, I've worked the finances out. And all that first week, I'm, uh, you know, kids, Dad, can we have an ice cream? I said, why do you want an ice cream? It's, it's overcast. It's not that hot, really. I'm trying my best to get through that week so I've got enough money to stretch for the two weeks, only to find at the end of the week... That I'd got more money than what I thought, which is a beautiful thing, but I've wasted a week of my one holiday. 50% of my holiday is wasted with worry. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Am I the only person in this room that struggled financially? And so I want to speak into that, because there is a way, God has a way uh, within the kingdom of heaven... To, for us to organise our finances and, 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 and get through. And the way that God organises the finances is not the way the bank organises it. God has a different way uh, of, of doing finance in the kingdom of heaven. So when you become a Christian, you step out of the kingdom of Satan. That's where every child is born. Every Look at these beautiful babies in our church. But they are born into the kingdom of Satan. And they have to come out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of heaven. So that's why the message of the church is the most important message in the whole world. It's the most important. Can you see how high we view church and how high we view the Bible and how high we view God? Because to most of the world, we're marginalized. We're on the side. It's like, happy clappy. such a shame that they need a crutch. And I understand that. It's, it's, It's ignorance. They just don't know what they don't know and I was the same, you were probably the same, but when you step into the kingdom of heaven, it's like a light bulb moment, and you think, oh my goodness, it's all changed. And Then you realise two things very quickly. One is God is better than what you thought he was, and the other one is you're worse than what you thought you were. Whoever gives himself the benefit of the doubt? You know, I drink, I drink, but I, you know, but I don't drink too much. I, I can count on one hand how many times I've been drunk. Wife's there going, lost his mind. I, you know, I speak my mind, but I'm I'm very careful with my words. (laughs) Timing's important, I think, when we bring in something, and I I like to, you know, I'm very caring for people. Don't we give ourselves, we big ourselves up so much, when you become a Christian, truth comes in, and lies are exposed, and you're just thinking, I'm not that good. You're such a great guy, Dave, I'm thinking I'm not. I'm, this is. I'm going back to when I 19. But Dave, you were. We expected you to become a Christian. You were a good, good guy. I'm thinking. I'm slightly half at the time. There's me bragging again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good guy. I'm a bad guy, and I've been fancying your girlfriend. <laughs> Truth comes in. Well, I didn't fancy. I just we just got on. We were bezzies. We were bezies You weren't bezies You're were after bedding her. Truth, honestly, it comes right in. And we lie to ourselves so much. Can I get off sex, please? Can we just get off sex and drink? That's all I've spoken about so so far this morning. Let's get on to finances. (laughs) Finances are important because they lift you up or they bring you down. And we have got to take control of our lives. I hate budgets. Anybody like me? I I hate budgets. You go for a mortgage, you know, what do you spend your money on? I don't know. I love playing with it. I send forms in like, well, I got three bubblies the other day. <laughs> going right into detail, go right into it, because, of, and, and, and what do you spend on clothes? Well, I bought three pair of underpants the other week. I was going for it. So, budgets are good. I'll tell you why, because they don't lie. Budgets hold you to an account. Budgets are not just important, they're vital. Now, if you like me, I don't always go into huge detail, but I know the finances of of I know how much goes here. I have properties and stuff, so I need to know how, how many mortgages have been paid, and I know. I, and, and, and when it comes to food and stuff like that, I'm in the general ballpark. I don't say to Shelley, "You've got fifty-two pound and eight pence to spend this month, uh, this week, sorry, today." <laughs> All right, go and get your hair done. With, with, you know, so, but they're important, so I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing it at all. In fact, the opposite. I'm saying we need, to get, we need to get hold of ourselves and get hold of our finances. But I want you to know that when you do that, you may find that your expenses are far greater than the finances that you've got. And that is what I want to speak into. Because God wants to do something in your finances. And many of you are new believers. And what I'm about to teach you today is not British, it's Jewish. It comes, but it's not even Jewish in, in that respect. It comes from the heart of God himself. And this is how God wants us to do finances. So uh, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning. And I know even just saying it can put you off. You're like, oh, please, just, just keep it funny. And then we can go and have a coffee and go home. Funny, fuzzy, and Friendly. How do you grow a church? Pies, peas and pantomimes. That used to be the thing in Lancashire. You'll get them them into your church, pies, peas and pantomimes. So I want to look at funny words today in the Bible. Tithes and first fruits. Tithes and first fruits. Tithe just means 10%. And you know where we're going with this, don't you? When the bucket comes around, we need 10%. Otherwise we'll break your legs. Tithes and first fruits, And um, two other words that we need to look at are sacrificed and redeemed. Sacrificed and redeemed. So, first, first scripture up is from Exodus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate means set apart. Set apart to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me whether human or animal. So the firstborn that opens the womb, as it comes out, that belongs to God. Exodus 13 verse 12 says, You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Who do they belong to? Redeem them, that means to buy them back. You redeem a house. You know, at the end of its term, you, re- you redeem the mortgage. You know, the mortgage is paid. So you pay for, uh, pay with a lamb, every firstborn donkey. So you don't, you don't sacrifice the baby donkey. You, you, go, you go to the lamb, the firstborn lamb, and you use that to sacrifice for a donkey. So it says, redeem with a lamb, every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break, break its neck. In other words, it's useless to you. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. It's it's like you cannot use this. This is not yours. This is God's. Now we we are very sensitive in our day and age, uh, millennials and all that kind of stuff, and postmodernists. And if you don't know any of them details, don't worry, you're not missing anything. But we're very very sensitive. People just can't wait to be offended. Have you noticed? Well, I'm just so offended at that. I thinking you need to get out more I haven't even got revved up yet but they're easily offended they don't get it and also we don't come from an agricultural background even now with you know chickens are done I remember in Africa this pastor said you like chicken I said I do like chicken no he was saying you like a chicken I knocked him out as well. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. So he says, you like chicken? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. He got up, this is a pastor of a church, got up off his chair he ran. His chicken's going round and he dived on it, got his knife out, whoosh, neck's gone and blood's going. Bum, bum, bum. I'm thinking I can't eat it. I feel guilty now, you know. Pretty little thing. I got over it fairly quick, but the thought was there. <laughs> so you're like, what am right. And then they're they're plucking it. And then they're cooking it. And I just thought, well, I was hungry. And you know, when you waited for ages, I'm thinking, it's going to take forever to get this thing. But you see, I'm not from an agricultural background. And even seeing a chicken, Shelley said to me, forget chicken, think of turkey now. Dave, put your hand in there and pull everything out. (laughs) I was thinking, oh, goodness me. Help me, Jesus. I'm I'm holding my breath, thinking, I don't want to smell any of this stuff. Going in. And we are so ultra sensitive. We don't get it. I remember them killing a goat for us. <laughs> Honestly, there's mass slaughter when I go to Tanzania. They killed this goat, but the knife wasn't sharp enough. Oh, yeah, it was bad. I'm going, no. <laughs> See, I know some of you are not laughing because it's just not funny. Well, you can either sulk or laugh. I choose to laugh because what else can I do? It's a circle of no control. It's dead and gone. It's been. It's like, yeah. It's, I could go like that. <sighs> that was really bad. And it was at the time, but I've had, I just sometimes you've just got to laugh at life, haven't you? So I'm just saying we're so sensitive, but when we go into the Bible, it's an agricultural society. Yeah? And I think God in his wisdom had the Bible written at that time on purpose because God's way of doing things is more agricultural than it is industrial. And so meaning, um, I don't know, Just it just came into my head. <laughs> meaning it's more dynamic. It's more like, you know, you get a pig, you buy a pig, you mate it with another pig. Anyway, it's agricultural. Let's leave it at that and move on. Here we go. <laughs> so the firstborn has to be Uh, sacrificed it's God's or it's used as a to redeem something else and so Jesus comes and John the Baptist saw Jesus and he saw him coming toward him in John chapter 1 and he said look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world Jesus the firstborn from God he comes and God gives him for the world He sacrifices him in order to redeem us. The people that were unclean. The people that should have had their necks broke or whatever. The people that weren't redeemed have found a redeemer. Somebody that's going to buy us back. Yeah? So it gets a bit technical, but basically those are the two things. And God has given Jesus as the sacrifice. And... um, God looked at the sacrifice and it pleased him. And Jesus isn't a man like us. He is uh, begotten, not created. Begotten means he is like the person that begot him. That's the Father in heaven. We are not begotten. We are from our parents. Yeah? Or let's put it another way we are begotten, but we're not begotten from God. We're begotten from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah? You're all following it, are you? Good. So Jesus became a man, but he came and he's begotten of the Father. And that's why in John chapter 8 he can say, Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus came as a baby in a manger. And Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, Before Abraham was, I am. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say? And they were struggling with this mentality that said, how can you be a man and claim to be Almighty God when Almighty God does not have form or shape and certainly don't, doesn't come as a man? And they missed the Messiah because they just said God could not do this. And that's exactly what God did. See, if God had to come... To communicate to ants, yeah he would have had to have become an ant, yeah if it was a dog that he'd come to rescue, it had to become a dog to talk to. You, know, I, you know I can't talk to dogs., Oof, what does that mean? I don't even know what I've said. I could be saying, what are you doing Saturday night? I don't know what I'm saying. Jesus came as a human being because he communicated to human beings, but the Bible's clear, even in Hebrews chapter one it says. In the past, God has spoken to us in many and various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son, who is the exact representation of the invisible God. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at God, but He's come in disguise as a human being, veiled in flesh, the Godhead sea. Yeah? He's veiled in flesh. We think that's He's a bloke. No, He's not a bloke. He contains God. That's why every time you read the Gospels, you, you get God's take on everything. The woman caught in adultery, what would God do to somebody who's broken his laws and she's caught in adultery? What would God do? Jesus said, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. I love a God like that. Is anybody here that could be accused of anything? I know it's Sunday and you're like, yeah. And he, but he doesn't accuse us. Then he says this, go and sin no more. It's like, go and sin no more you know, policeman, head teacher. No, no, no. Go on. I want to empower you to change your lifestyle. That's what he's saying to her, giving her hope. That's what God's like. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who needs that kind of word, you've messed up this week. Neither do I accuse you. Who's accusing you? Or oh, the accuser. You are not know Satan means? The accuser of the brethren. I wonder who's been accusing you this week could be people, could be your mind, could be Satan but you know what God says I don't accuse you, go and say no more start again beautiful, I've lived like this for 30 odd years, it's the best because I mess up, do you? and it's just so good I come and I'm strengthened and I'm accepted by God and the whole world can accuse me but the one that really matters, who's going to judge me on judgement day says I don't accuse you boom! Forgiveness, I don't deserve it, and neither do you. I said, well, we're too posh and too polite to receive it. I'm not, I'm not, I need it. If I'm going to face today, I need forgiveness. Anyway, can we get back to money? Here we go. God didn't wait until we believed. He gave his son in faith that we would believe. And Jesus is like the prototype for the new creation, new humanity. And so it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still rejecting God, Christ, he didn't wait to see, because if I sacrifice Jesus, I'll be left with no, no other human being here. If I get rid of my prototype, if I kill him, if, he's, if I allow him to be killed, I should say, then I could lose everything. But he's setting, God doesn't feel like that, by the way. I'm just letting you know the train of thought. God sets the the principle of first things first. And he says, what I'm expecting from me people, I do it myself. So he gives his son first, the prototype, so the rest of us, when we believe, he's like, "I'm, I'm believing for an harvest. And then you say, I believe in Jesus. Dave Shore says, I believe in Jesus. And all of a sudden, they all start to come in. And it says about Jesus for the joy set before him, he endured, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, because he saw the harvest. It's important that we see this. Another scripture says this For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn, Jesus, he might be the firstborn um, among many brothers and sisters. But God gave him first. And you believe for the rest. God didn't wait to see if we would repent and believe first. No, God knew about putting first things first. Who gave, have you ever thought about this? Who gave God the right to kill all the firstborn in Egypt? If you don't know the story, God. Uh, took uh, a man Abraham from him he created a family from that family he created a tribe from that tribe he created a nation in Egypt and the pharaoh the first pharaoh that they encountered Joseph found favor with him but 450 years later long after Joseph's death um, there were new pharaohs subsequent pharaohs and because the Israelites had grown so many then uh, they were frightened of them with the Egyptians so they just said let's make the life hard let's hold them tight in slavery and so they did and they never paid them good wages or anything like that they mistreated them and then God redeemed them he bought them and he brought them out of Egypt and, um, and what the last plague or the last punishment to Pharaoh's disobedience was this let my people go Or tonight at midnight your firstborn will die. And uh, the angel of death will come over you and the firstborn will die. And then his, his message to Moses was, kill the firstborn lambs. Get the blood and get some hyssop and, and, and uh, some sticks and stuff like that with cloth on. Dip it in the blood and put it on the doorposts. So when the angel of death comes over and it sees the blood, he will pass over. And he won't destroy your firstborn. And so they did that. They put the blood on the doorposts. And the, the angel of death came over. It passed over the Israelites. But it took the life of all the firstborn. Pharaoh's house and all the people in Egypt. And there was great wailing and weeping and everything. God's judgment had come upon them because they refused to obey him. And so, and, you know, they were keeping God's people locked in. The amazing thing is this. <laughs> that God had told his people to go and borrow jewellery and clothes from the Egyptians so they could go and worship him. And they did that. And um, that night, the the Israelites went out with all the wealth, all the national wealth, the GDP of Egypt, years and years and centuries of no money, no pay. And God... Let them walk out with all the riches. Just an amazing, amazing story. That's why Pharaoh chased them. He didn't chase them because they were like they're going to worship God. It's like they've got all our stuff. And he went and God opened up the Red Sea. And they walked through the Red Sea in a miraculous way. And then Pharaoh and his armies came and God closed up the Red Sea. And that was the end of that. And God's people came out on the other side. And that's a picture of what Jesus did on the cross. His blood was shed So that death can no longer have any hold on us, no sting. Yes, we all have to die. But you know what? Nobody nobody dies forever. Death is just a doorway. We will all live into eternity, whether it's heaven or hell. We will exist. You don't cease to exist. We will still live on into eternity. But you see, the blood on the doorpost protects and saves And for the believer, when we die, we know we have a place in heaven. We have the assurance in our heart, the deposit of the Holy Spirit living inside of us saying, you're mine, you belong, you're in. And the passion of Shelley's heart and my heart is that we want as many people, not just in York, but in Britain, and not just in Britain, but throughout the world, we want as many people, one, to Christ so that when they believe in Jesus what we're actually doing is coming under the blood and we're forgiven but we're protected and when judgment day comes we will walk free so anyway it's a shame for us because we are Gentiles we are not Jews and uh, I'm a very poor teacher uh, you may have gathered that. I'm a very poor teacher. I'm a preacher. I'm not really a teacher. A teacher has it all logic, A, B, C, D. I'm a preacher. I get excited about something, go off course, and then come back on. And then I'm off piste again. I'm in the deep snow, and then I get back on. And um, But, you know, somebody who knows, so I've, I've, I recognize that about myself. There's a great book here. It's called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. He is an American. Uh, I've begun to love Americans I didn't trust them if I'm honest but this guy's an amazing amazing fella it's a great book uh, and a great read get of that we'll be dipping into this uh, as we go through and I'll be showing more books there's another book by a a Jewish man called Jeff Letts and he's a businessman but he's an awesome fella when it comes to finances and living a great life anyway let's crack on What we give to God. Let me just have a look at this. I started with this thought. Who gave God the right to take the firstborn in Egypt? It's because the firstborn of any nation belongs to God, it's His. (laughs) The whole world is His. If you read Psalm 24, verses. One and two. The whole world is His. But the firstborn belongs to God. And um, we don't, so often people don't know that and they don't believe it. But here's the thing what we give to God is never lost, what we keep from God is always lost. Tithing is not just in the law of Moses, it came before the law of Moses, it came in chapter 4 of Genesis came even before that when God said, all the trees of this world you can eat from, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you mustn't touch. Why? It belongs to God. It belongs to God, that. You can't touch that. When we take something that God says you can't have, God will take back what he's already given you. So what happens is is Adam and Eve took from the tree of the, uh, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God expelled them from the garden. He gave them the garden. He didn't give them that one tree. He gave them many trees, but that was prohibited. I want you to see something here. The firstborn is not yours to keep. So it means nothing to us that at this point, but in, in Israel, when agricultural land, especially when you've not a lot of money, you're like, "I don't want to give me firstborn lamb." How many more? When when when? How many more is that going to produce? I I don't I, I don't want it because the mother might not produce another one, and if I give the firstborn, I'm going to lose out. Yeah, so they were vulnerable. Who to? God and His promise. Do you think that some people had a firstborn from a mother, and and sacrificed the firstborn as God w- w- wanted it? And then the mother didn't have any more. Do you think that ever happened? He said, I believe that would have happened. Which would cause you to doubt God's word and God's promise. But what you've got to do and what I've got to do, what they had to do was go on believing and just like, I couldn't afford that. God, this is too much for me to bear. I've got kids. As though God doesn't know you've got kids. As though the all-seeing one, the all-knowing one, the omniscient one can't see and understand. But he has ways of testing us. And I don't mean in a kind of Roman Catholic way, oh, just whip me again, God, shame me up again and hurt me. It's not that. His his tests are to prove and strengthen us so that we're freer. So the credit crunch for me was 10 years of testing. And, And out the other side, my heart is bigger. My mind is more at peace when trouble comes. When financial, I had four boilers went in one Christmas and I had no money. To, to, and there's kids that need hot water and heating and stuff. And I had to get four boilers. And God had to give me wisdom to know how to get four boilers with no money. It's a beautiful thing. But He said, I had to learn that going through the credit crunch. And now, if a boiler goes, it's almost like, <laughs> just get it sorted. You're <laughs> like, yeah, where's the money coming from? Jesus. <laughs> no, He's shown me some ways. And to you, you'd think, well, that's obvious. But to me, they weren't obvious. I was just panicking and like overwhelmed. And so a lot of this teaching comes out of that. But it's, it's, it's not just coming out of my experience. It's coming from the word, which is more important than my experience or your experience. There's a, there's a sense that the Israelites were all back from letting the firstborn go because they don't know how many more lambs are going to be produced. But God says, don't have don't wait for 10 lambs and give me the 10th, 10th one. Now you've got nine. You know you've got nine. He says, give me the first one. Can you see the twist? Jesus said something similar in Matthew 16. He said, Forever, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. And there's a way of losing in order to get and to gain. Exodus 23, the first of the firstfruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9-10, to honour the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine well if you work in a bank or if you work at H&M or if you work in a a bar or if you work in a factory or if you work in an office we're not talking about vats and stuff like that but increase will come your wine store your store of wine and whiskies, might increase your food will be plentiful, in, not just in your fridge, but in your freezer. I, I know you don't have it in your freezer. I know you have fresh every day. I get, I get all that. You know, none of us go to Iceland, do we? You know, I get, I get it, I get it. But what he's saying is, you'll be overflowing. Why? Because you put f- the first of your first fruits. So them are your potatoes and your peas and your carrots, all the things in the ground and stuff, all that that comes up. He doesn't say, um, you know, give me anything from that. He says. He says, give me the first, the first of the first fruits. Let me just take us very quickly. My last scripture, I think it is, is in Genesis. Next to last scripture. It's in Genesis. And it's about Cain and Abel. They they both brought offerings to God. This is in Genesis chapter 4. And it says this, in the course of time, Cain, he's the he's the, uh, the eldest brother, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So let's just read that again. In the course of time, Cain brought... Some of the fruits of the soil. He didn't pay any attention to it. He just thought, yeah, I'll get some apples, get some of this, get some of that. Yeah, I'll take that and I'll I'll offer that to God because it's an offering. I need to bring something. That's how God's made us and that's what I'll do. And he just, but he didn't bring the first of the first fruits. The ones that come up first. And he's like, oh, I'm just harvesting these. Oh, no, no, I'll keep all of these because I don't know whether the rest of the first fruits will come up. Because they had two harvests, So it's like, I don't know whether the rest of this will come up and then I'll have to wait till the next harvest before I've got any stuff to sell. And then I've no money. Yeah. So instead of giving the first of the first fruits, he gave some of the first fruits. And he couldn't be bothered. And that's not what God had said to him. And then Abel, he brought some of the fat, from some of the meat from his firstborn lambs and it was acceptable to God and many believers don't tithe they don't give 10% and they they always say well I can't afford everyone, every one of them has said I can't afford, I've said it when I first became a Christian I thought well first I gave it and then after a while I thought that's a lot of money to give and then when you realise giving the 10th, the tithe the 10% uh, and then we get, we get all bent out of shape. Is that on net or gross? It's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but those who are into money know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, do we pay on the, on the net wage? That's what you get after your boss has took his, the tax money out. Is it that that we pay on? Or the gross wage before tax? Yeah? You're all looking and saying, what's the answer? Please let it be net. Please. <laughs> That's between you and God. It's between you and God. I could be very clever and say, it's, obviously, it's gross. Listen, I've had to grow into these kind of things. I've had to get my head around them. And so I can't, and I won't come to you just saying, oh, this is what you have to do. It's A, B, and C. You've got, allowed, you've got to allow God's truth. You've got to do your own work and, and find out, is this really true? And God actually says in Malachi 3, test me in this. And so temps of today's, I know it's a bad day for many of you, because you do believers and you're like, I've been waiting for something when it comes to money. And I'd heard about this tithing thing in the distance, but so far so good. And now he's actually said it. Dang! You're like, that's because we don't see what's at the other side of it. So I've got another scripture for you, Romans chapter eleven. If the part of the door offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is all this, so are the branches. And what he's saying is, when you put your 10% in, God's blessing and protection goes over the other 90%. And you've got a God that can get all the five loaves and two fish and feed over 25,000 people. 5,000 men, the Bible records, plus women and children. That God can multiply. When you haven't got enough, that's a good place to be in. Because the God of more than enough will take hold of your tenth. And he'll receive it. And that's an important position. He does receive our tithe. But then miraculously, he multiplies the rest. And honestly, I can tell you story after story after story of God using a tithe to provide for me for the last two weeks of the month, a tie. My mother-in-law bought me a tie. Groundbreaking. And I went to this, I went to this christening. We we didn't even want to go to the christening because we couldn't afford drinks at the bar. We had just enough for milk and bread for for the last two weeks. This is me and Shell. we had no kids at the time, but we were we're in this, uh, in our council flat, we lived on Murder Row. In I had Junkie Jim. We had parties upstairs. I knew Junkie Jim from when I was a kid. You know, everyone used to go around to Junkie Jim. You know, he's like got his own disco going on when he were walking down the street. He, well, he were off his head. Anyway, so we're in this 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 flat and I'd got the finances worked out to the penny. And Shelley's a midwife and I'm working for, I think I were on the Dole, actually. Uh, first year of my life I was on the Dole because I wanted to study some A-level, all levels 25 year old I'll leave it I'll just leave it there it's painful but my mother-in-law bought me a tie for my birthday and uh, she worked at Marks and Spencer's and could get a deal on anything I went to this christening and all my, my mates were tough guys and when the kids were playing nobody wanted to play with them well I were a children's worker and a youth worker and stuff like that you know that's what I did and I wasn't paid I just did those things and um So when I went, I just thought, I'm tired of you lot. You're just fagging it and boozing it and all that kind of stuff. And you're not bothered. You're just here for the party. And I'm thinking the next generation need to know that there's somebody different than their dads and their uncles. So I started play fighting with them. And I love play fighting. You know, break a leg or two, and it's fantastic. So we're throwing these kids all over and they're diving on me back and we're play fighting. Well, when I got home, me tired, Fred, And so I took it back to Marks and Spencer's and I said... uh, I said, "My mother-in-law bought me this tie," and they said, "Right, Mr. Shaw, uh, you'll get twelve pounds back." And I went, "No, no, no! She didn't pay that. I know she didn't pay that." I said, "It was in, in the sale, and she got some off because she works for Marks and Spencer's." And they went, "All oh, right, well, just..." and they went back on. They went, "We have to give you twelve pounds. I'm sorry, that's what the system says." And I said, "Well, you can't beat the system." Boosh! <laughs> I went twelve quid that took us on for the last two weeks we could survive on that everything electric and everything, it was all paid but this wasn't and you just said wow that's amazing how great he's got to give you 12 quid but God's training he was training us in finances it was 12 quid then it's been six grand a month in the last 10 years that I've had to pay out that's nothing to do with my own my own uh, stuff six grand a month I've had to find And you're like, goodness me. You see, God trains you. And then he starts to bring you in. He moves you from not enough to just enough. That's daily living. To more than enough. And it's awesome. So I want to teach you these principles. I've lived them myself. Many other people, Andy and Anna, everyone goes, aren't they amazing uh, uh, business people? And they are amazing people and they're learning business. But that's not the greatest gift. Their greatest gift is obedience to Jesus. And, and sowing and reaping and tithing and, and put, bringing the first fruits in and and so God gets hold of the rest, and somehow, like the great magician multiplies it, so I have a lot more to say about this, and I love joking and I, and, and I want a joke that can a church sorry that can take a joke, but what i 'm trying to do is i 'm trying to make something that is 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 very powerful and, and, and will affect your life like in, more, in, in a way that nothing else will affect you. It's finances. It drags us down so much. And it winds me up. I see poverty when people have got fancy cars and nice houses. And they're living in poverty. Because they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And I'm thinking there's a way out of this. There's a different system called the kingdom of heaven. And this is how God gets it. And he says, first of all, you put first things first. You give your tithe. And then you trust me with the rest. And it's just so good. God is not a one-armed bandit. I wish he was, because then you just said, put it in, pull the thing in, it'll come out. He's more dynamic than that. But we have to learn to trust him. Listen, I've gone over way, way too much, you know, and Chance being patient with me. But um, everything we do in life is based in faith, whether you're a Christian or not. When you get married, it's a step of faith, because you don't know who he's going to become or not become, and who she's going to become or not everything we do is by faith the job that you're in is by faith because it can come to an end like that that's why we teach business in church to get your own business get a hustle going alongside your job why because jobs are not for life there are so many things there's no guarantees about your children how they're going to turn out there are no guarantees I've just been with my sons in London you know and just working in the life trying to get into the thinking I never stop being a dad and I, I'm getting more sensitive now when I've said enough and they're like, <sniffs> <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> so, you know, we learn, but I'm never stopping being a dad because there's no guarantees. and We just keep going. So let's just bow our heads. Maybe today is your day to actually come and have faith in the living God. He's not just God, he's a living God. And he acts and he speaks and he moves in our lives. If today you want to put your trust in God, believe in Jesus and accept the forgiveness that the Father has for us, if that's you today, you start a new life, stepping into the kingdom of heaven, if that's you, just raise your hand as a a step of faith and allow God to bring his eternal life to you. Let the light bulbs go on in your life. If that's you, you just raise your hand. Is there anybody we can help this morning? So peaceful. Father, I want to pray for us. As we we have heard your word and some scriptures and Lord, you can use my teaching then. That's a miracle in itself. But Father, I pray that we get first things first and we understand that the first 10% goes to you. And it started way back at the beginning of creation. And it's a creation ordinance. You've put it in there in creation in Genesis, saying this is my will for all mankind. And Lord, I pray that because finance is a touchy subject, that you will help us to to, to be open to being taught. Nobody's trying to blackmail or to kid or to con, but what we're trying to do, Lord, is to teach something that Satan himself is frightened of because he knows the power of the tithe, the power that once we give that tithe, the power of God comes upon all our stuff. And the lack of giving the tithe keeps us in poverty and lord to get this is an amazing shift in our thinking especially in the western world so father i want to pray for a teachable spirit for an openness of heart that lord we can come and ask questions and not just take it and say it must be right dave said it but to come and ask questions and to to dig into it and to find out is this really true because i ask it in jesus name amen From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.